Hi, and welcome to the Happy Lawyer Podcast with me, your host, Katherine Shearer. I am a mom, a wife, a dog mama, a daughter, a sister, a personal injury and medical malpractice lawyer, as well as a wellness enthusiast. I have started this podcast because I have suffered from stress and anxiety, and I seriously considered leaving law. But when I got clear on what it is that I wanted out of my career, made some big changes, I discovered that law doesn't have to be depressing, anxiety producing, or permanently high stress. And I didn't have to be another woman that left the profession. So this podcast is intended to get the conversation started and to keep it going when it comes to the issues of lawyers and mental health, attrition rates in the profession, and the advancement of women in law. Hi, Emily, and welcome to the Happy Lawyer Podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so delighted to be here. Oh, well, it is our treat for sure. Um, Since this audience probably has no idea who you are, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got where you are right now? Yes. So my name is Emily Elliott, and I am a former marketing executive and naturopathic doctor. I'm also a Reiki master. I'm trained in nutrition, herbal detox, NLP, um, EFT, all all sorts of beautiful modalities. So I am someone who I really, really need my work to match my alignment and my own heart. And I will not stay in it (laughs) unless it's a really good match. Um, so I started out in marketing over a decade ago and I loved parts of it. I really enjoyed the creativity, um, but my soul did not feel entirely expressed. So I sent myself to, um, the Canadian college of naturopathic medicine, where I did a five-year degree in medicine. I love holistic health. I really feel like it has cured me of a lot of illnesses. It's helped my mother recover largely from multiple sclerosis. Um, So it was a very meaningful path. And I still ooze, you know, natural medicine is part of who I am. But I also didn't feel right. Um, Just the landscape of the profession. And, you know, there was something that wasn't quite there. So uh, around 2020, when my son was born, I took a good look at myself in the mirror. I said, I think I know what you're actually meant to do. And you got clues along the way in every job, because even my naturopathic doctor supervisors would say, the way that you guide humans and help them to see their highest is so beautiful to witness. Like, you know, the supplements and the food do help, but the way you can hold the mirror and just be a guide and a a leader for other humans to find themselves, that's your magic. So I I got a certificate in um, NLP, hypnosis and EFT, just to kind of like have a certificate, but I knew what I had inside. And without even trying, I had people the first day I announced, I'm a mindset and success embodiment coach. That's me. I didn't even make an offer. And I had people come into my DMs and say, hired. And I was like, whoa, that's a sign from the universe that (laughs) this is right. Because I didn't even make an offer. I just said, this is what I do now. And people want it in. So um, really to summarize, I just took myself on a journey of self-awareness. Who am I? What are my values? What is my impact meant to be on this earth? 
And um, I believe with my whole heart that I found it now. And I don't regret the marketing to naturopathy to where I am now because it's shaped me and it's helped my family and myself. So that's a little a little overview of where I've been over the last decade. <laughs> yeah. So I know this happens or it comes up a lot for lawyers who are thinking about leaving the profession. What were you kind of grappling with when you decided to walk away from something that you trained so hard to do? Yeah, that's a really beautiful question. And I actually funny enough, explored this in my recent TEDx talk, which will be releasing any time now. Um, I called the talk, Is It Time to Quit? And I chronicle through all the thoughts that kind of came through my mind. And, you know, to kind of keep it succinct here for listeners, one of the leading thoughts was, oh my goodness, what will other people think of me? Because when we have these professional titles, it's just so sexy. It's like, oh, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor. Like you automatically get some form of street cred, right? Whereas if you say like, my husband and I always just joke, let's say the generic word, I am a coach. People are like, sweet, what does that mean? Like do you coach football, right? Whatever. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I think it's really, um, that's, I'm not kidding. That's probably the number one reason people don't leave. So I had to, I wrote myself notes as I went about, does it really matter what my high school bully thinks of, you know, what my job is now? Does it matter what my aunt thinks? No, it does not. Because these people don't wake up every day and live our life. You know, at the end of our lives, like, it's kind of morbid. But if you look at your obituary, what do you want it to say? Mm -hmm. Were you a happy person? Or were you accomplished by society's standards, right? So, you know, I do know happy lawyers and I know happy doctors, but for some of us, that's not how we can show up the best in the world. So this was an exercise from going from the mind and overthinking back into the heart and saying, what does the heart know? And what are your core values here? So this is actually an exercise that I take people through as a coach where we look at what are the values that define you? And let's use a really good example here. So a lot of people, um, you know, they get to midlife and they're like, oh yeah, when I get that red sports car, then I'm going to make that. I've, I've made it when I have that, right? Because in their mind, the car represents money and freedom and status, right? So they get the car and they're like, now that I have the car, I'm going to be happy. And then they get in the car and it's sweet and they like take a drive, but they have to drive that red car back to the office that they hate. And they're like, uh-oh, that car did not actually make me feel free because freedom is a daily feeling that's not attached to an object, right? So when we can identify what your core values are, you know you're making a decision that's really, really right for you. So for example, one of my absolute must have in my top five is community. So if I don't have a job and a day-to-day -day that reflects being in community, I am out of alignment because I shut down, I'm quiet, I'm sad. So by kind of digging into these values, we can really come forward and say, this is a good decision for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I want to talk about mindset shifts. Um, now that is 
kind of what you're focused on, success mm-hmm. coaching, mindset coaching, um, just peeling it back, like what is a mindset shift and, and how does that become important? Yes, absolutely. So there's a term called the subconscious mind. And we think our mind is completely in control. So when we go out into the world and we're like, oh, that's a red rose, like very literal things. We think our mind is in control, but there's also a part of our mind that governs like 90% of our thoughts that isn't even necessarily consciously within our awareness. So it's the thoughts, beliefs, and actions of all the people that we've been around in our whole life. So coaches, mothers, friends, um, you know, you're lazy, you're stupid, you're not good at that. And it can run the voices of our subconscious mind without us even knowing it. So we can be saying out loud, I will be a millionaire, I will be a millionaire. And then in the back of our subconscious mind, it's saying, money is hard, you're not worthy of money. And those two things are in in competition now, right? So when we do mindset work, we are really willing, we are making the commitment to stand in the mirror and say, what is here that's not serving me? So um, that's not something everyone's willing to do because running on autopilot is so easy. Think of it this way. If someone said to you, would you like to just, you know, go through a drive through or have your lunch delivered and then go on the same walk you do every day and watch your favorite show? Most people would be like, that sounds really nice. Or do you want to go learn that new tech skill and, um, go on a whole new route you have to map out and find a new person at the end of the road. Often when there's something new, our comfort signal goes off and we're like, I don't know, I like the, I like what I do. I like my patterns. So that's what's funny. Comfort feels good, but comfort is actually what stands in the way of us breaking through to what we want in life. So mindset work is for the person who's willing to really take a good hard look and say, what are these beliefs, subconscious thoughts that are sabotaging my success? And step one, let's gain awareness. You know, when we start to gain awareness, we're able to say, okay, I can do something about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some of the um, the first steps in in becoming or changing those patterns of the subconscious thoughts? Yeah, so there's many. A couple really important ones is changing who we're around. We literally are osmotic beings and we become who we're around. So if you're around people that are saying, you know, anything is possible, money is easy, energy is endless, I know how to break through problems, you will become that. And if you constantly hear from your friends and people you're around the most, like money is hard, there's not enough time, there's not enough energy, you will become that. So we have to start to shift our environment. And in the early days when I was just not good, I graduated naturopathy, I was very negative, very sad. I introduced myself to a concept called flooding, where I would put on soundtracks by neural beats um, podcast, anything that would start to shift my brain because I'm like, I want to be around this so much that it's literally second nature to think to myself, anything is possible. Sky's the limit. And so just by being in an environment that was rich with new thinking was 
absolutely paramount. Um, and then the second piece is, you know, you have to create space to look at these thoughts because if you're on autopilot and you're not changing what you're doing, you know, putting yourself in new containers, working with a coach, you know, taking a pause, like when you have a really yucky thought, just saying, okay, I'm human. I'm not going to be hard on myself for that. But is that true? Why am I saying that so often? And just being able to develop that pause and reflection is absolutely paramount. Because I remember the day that I learned someone in a loving way said, you know that you say things are hard a lot. This was like five years ago. I was like, I do. And then I noticed one of my family members all day long, hard, this is hard, that's hard. I was like, I asthmatically picked up the hard gene. (laughs) And that was such a gift, right? Because now when I'm doing something new, I'll use better language. Like this is a challenge or, you know, I'm excited for this challenge and it's really lifted the weight, right? So facing off with our language is a really big one because when I listen to clients, sometimes I'm like, oh my goodness, they just said 10 times that everything's impossible. Of course, they're not making progress, right? (laughs) So having a loving year and being willing to take the pause with reflections. That's awesome. And it actually brings me into my next question for you. And that is, why is feedback so important? And or why are so many of us resistant to getting feedback? Yeah, I mean, it's our ego, right? Our ego wants to know we're loved, we're the best, we're smart, we're, you know? And even generationally, we grew up in a time when our kids had to have the gold medal. Everyone needed the medal. Um, Everyone needed an A. And now as part of this new thinking and mindset coaching, it's like, no, it's actually good to be honest and real. Because when it's like, oh, you're perfect, you're the best, we're staying in, again, a safety zone and we're not willing to like take the stretch to where we need to go. So it's actually the person who told me that I say things are so hard that gave me the better gift than the person that's like, you're so smart and beautiful and da 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 da. I'm like, cool, is that true? Maybe, I don't know. But when we can receive feedback, we're actually then in, actually I sometimes use a visual. So it's past this core here is discomfort and feedback let's face it it's it's uncomfortable but once we can break through the discomfort that comes with the feedback that's when we tap into learning and then crazy growth and expansion and if we just want to stay in the the repetition a plus get the medal we're never going to grow we're never going to break through to those new heights so i think it's okay if you don't like feedback because A lot of people didn't get it growing up. They always had to be the best. Um, But to get comfortable with it means you're actually on the path to growth. So what are some things that we can do to welcome more feedback in our lives? Yeah, so um, this is actually something I learned from a mentor. Her name's Marla Mattinson. And it's all about asking for permission when you give feedback. So rather than just saying, um, Emily, I didn't like the way that you slurped a tea in the video. It was unprofessional. You could just say, Hey, I thought of something when I was watching a video. Would you like to hear it? And then your body prepares for feedback, which is a little bit more of a receiving state than when you just kind of like, bam, feedback. 
And then I'm ready to hear. It's like, oh, I noticed when you were drinking tea in your YouTube video, it was a bit distracting. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. So I think, you know, asking people permission to give the feedback. And then I, um, in some of my, um, in the mastermind that we lead, I teach a concept called, um, it's it's a, called the loving sandwich, which is, you know, thank you so much for being here and putting your heart into this. It's so, you know, palpable the way you've shown up today. Um, and then I wanted to share with you um, that I noticed, you know, you haven't been as present in the group and you said you were going to be present. Is there something going on? You know, we only see the best in you and we would love to know how we can support you more. So I think when you do it in a bit of a loving container, people are so much more willing to come forward with their own shit, right? <laughs> so I would say ask permission, kind of give the positivity sandwich there so that you're not just like anyone's going to shut down if it's like, I hate the way you talk. I hate the way you do. Don't do this. Right. It's like, okay, too much. So I think we can do it in a loving way and we don't need to like blast people. We can kind of just go step by step and working with feedback. And I think the nervous system holds more for that. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. What if we're looking at it from the other way and we want feedback about ourselves? About yourselves. Yeah. And most people are not willing to do this, right? (laughs) So you have to, I always say, start with a safe place. So I did a professional development weekend once I was um, a guest and they said, start with someone who feels safe, but is willing to share, you know, so you're not necessarily going to call your mom who was like, Oh, I don't know, sweetie, you're great at everything. Like who's a friend that's going to say, Hmm, I love you so much. And you really get in your own way by being late, right? So start with someone that feels safe. And then as you start to get more comfortable with feedback, you can start asking other people and and it'll feel a little bit better. But yeah, I think it's like a muscle you have to build when you're not used to asking for feedback. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the things that um I've found helpful over the years is to ask people just to give you feedback on maybe not negative things, but just say to like five different friends, like, how do you see me? Like, what are my strengths? Yes, Um, absolutely. You know, because that gives you information from someone who sees you from the outside that may not um, be the same as the way you see yourself. And, you know, you can ask family members and close friends, Mm -hmm. not so close friends, and you get this wealth of information Yeah, Uh, that kind of reflects back to you. Oh, this is how I'm showing up in this part of my life. And maybe this is how I'm showing up in that part of my life. And I want to show up more like I am over here. Brilliant. Um, So there's that back and forth. And it's like a good step into it because nobody likes to hear something negative about themselves. And my husband will be the first person (laughs) who is like, "Uh, can I give you some feedback? And I'm like, no. (laughs) It's absolutely Uh, not. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And then I'll have to work. Okay, tell me what you were going to say. And then I'll like need to process it for a while. So I'm not very good with feedback, but doing things yeah. like that really helped me bridge that gap to being able to hear more negative things. Yeah. Um, and then slowly, I definitely need to hear something. And then I need to sit with it for a while before I can give it merit or demerit um, yes. and work through like, how can this, how can this be a positive thing? And how can I get better from it? I just love how you said merit or demerit. Such a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. like I would never use that word. I love it. <laughs> 
And I think, okay, there's a couple of great points you bring up here. So first off, I love how you're saying feedback can be positive, right? And we do automatically associate it as a negative or a positive. But what if feedback is just neutral? Because, you know, the ones we might not want to hear will help us grow. So it's actually good feedback, right? And um, another exercise that people love to do in professional development is have the three people you trust the most write you a letter telling you your top five strengths so you can help yourself see yourself better. Or even in our funny social media world, lots of people in the development space on their birthday will say, will you give me a gift? Will you tell me one word that makes me, you know, makes you think of me? So there are ways now just to help yourself be seen more because sometimes we don't even know how we've impacted people or what our gifts are because people forget to give positive feedback. I mean, I even had someone message me a few months ago and they said, you know, you were at the summit when I started school and you radically changed the course of my life with blah, blah, blah. And I mean, sending this five years later and I had no clue. So I think there, it is kind of cool if we develop a culture in general where we take the time to give each other positive feedback, you know, mm-hmm. in yeah. whatever way, Facebook, letters, Instagram messages, like changing the culture. Yeah, I think it's really important because there's little things and it almost ties back Mm -hmm. to the mindset shifts as well. I'm talking about that subconscious part of our brains. From my understanding, most of that develops before the time that you're seven years old and then it kind of gets stuck on repeat um, and there's different, um, you know, brainwaves and states that you're in. Um, And a couple episodes back, we, I did an episode on core beliefs Yes. Uh, core wounds and like how they develop. Um, and there's a lot of talk about like negative core beliefs or core wounds and how they develop and how they impact our lives. Um, but there's also the inverse to that on those core beliefs that developed in childhood that really show us your strengths. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, one of my girlfriends was talking about how from childhood, there was never a barrier for women. They never saw that. They were never introduced Mm. for that. And they never thought like, oh, this is going to be harder for me because that was just not something that she had ever believed. Um, And so there was an exercise where we were going through kind of reflecting back to our developmental years and trying to think about the times where something really positive in our yes. lives happened and how that shaped the way that we see things. And one of the things that I remembered when I was in like grade mm-hmm. six or seven, um, I gave a presentation and I don't even know what it was on, to be honest, but I remember, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, using <laughs> the projector, like, you know, those yeah. films <laughs> and putting all my slides up there on like the, the weird projector that you put like those sheets <laughs> of clear paper on sure and it projects it out to the pull down screen at the front of the class and just giving this presentation and it afterwards my teacher came up to me and and class was dismissed and they had said you know you did a really really good job of presenting you you have a very uh, unique gift in terms of public speaking and comfortability and you were really able to walk the class through something that they would not have known otherwise. Yeah. And because you did such a good job, we want you to give that presentation to all the other classes. Okay. And then it went from all the other classes to, um, you know, an assembly. And so yeah. I got to continue to to do those things. And that was one of those things 
uh, one of the only really positive things that I remember happening in that in and around that age. And yeah. from that time forward, I've always felt very comfortable giving presentations, speaking in public. And that yes. was just one of those positive core so memories. So great. So it's like it imprinted on you and it changed your path forward. I absolutely love that story. Yeah. So it's always just been something mm-hmm. in the back of my mind. Oh, that's easy. And I'm good at it. So yes. It never, like, I never get nervous or, you know, have a hard time being like, oh, I have to give this presentation or do I have to do this for work? And it's one of those things that comes easy to me. But then you can kind of reflect on that and look at, okay, it's easy to see how there's positive things and negative things. And it's really just the way that we're we're socialized into it. So we can change those things. Absolutely. Like developing more neutrality around it all, curiosity, compassion, you know, kind of that idea of reparenting ourselves and just learning like, okay, that was a negative experience, but maybe that wasn't on me. There's just ways to rewrite the story, right? Mm -hmm. Which can really help, you know, propel you forward. And then you can look back at those things to do some of that work to say, okay, you know, why am I feeling this way? How do I get some feedback on this for my next step? And whether that's your friends, your family, colleagues, or a coach or a therapist, whatever it may yes. be. There's yes. a lot of different options depending yeah. on what some of those issues are, especially if you're feeling stuck, then having someone to, to hold up that mirror is really helpful. Absolutely. And it's like step one is you have to be willing. It's like, I am willing to go there. And step two, you can find the right person, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So I want to circle back to um, more mindset stuff, but also tying it back to your your earlier roots in marketing. Yes. So in the professional world, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. If you're a lawyer, an accountant, a doctor, a coach, whatever it is that you are doing, you're the CEO of a company or you're an employee of the company, there's always some level of sales and marketing. So how does our mindset impact our businesses and marketing? Yeah. So I think that people are really, really quick to kind of like throw in the towel. So when they have a hard day or something goes wrong, it's like, okay, I'm just going to throw in the towel here. Whereas when your mindset is kind of primed for resilience and reshaping the way you're thinking, you can show up to conversations with clients or your boss um, in a totally different way. So Again, resilience and mindset is a muscle. So um, yeah, just being willing to know that just because I'm having this thought in this moment doesn't mean that this is the fact, right? So for example, let's say you have a really unhappy customer and you start thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, this is the end of my business and they're so unhappy and what have I done and what does this mean about my business? And we go on a thought spiral. Whereas when you're doing the um, mental emotional work to kind of stop thoughts in their tracks, you can say, oh my gosh, maybe this customer is having a bad day or let's get on a call and figure out what's going on for them. And it just gives you more resilience to step into the things that often crush people, like a bad review or a bad day or maybe bad feedback. It's like, okay, nothing is truly bad or the end of the world. This is all about a reframe. That's a big part of my work. Let's reframe the thought here. 
Mm-hmm. I can definitely see how that comes into play, especially um, now that there's a lot more social media marketing going on. And so people have to put themselves out there a little bit more. Um, and there's some hesitation. Uh, it seems like there's a pocket of people who are like, oh, I've got this, no problem. But there's a large pocket of people who who feel very hesitant in putting themselves out there. And I think a lot of that's tied back to the fear of failure. What are people going to think? Exactly. Fear Fear of failure is just absolutely paralyzing. So when we can overcome some of these thoughts like the perfectionist or, um, you know, some of this end of the world catastrophizing thinking, we have so much more opportunity in life. So it's alchemizing that thought to be a better thought a little quicker than we did before. Right. And there's something that you said just now, um, quicker than you did before, because I think Mm -hmm. it's really important to let everyone know that it doesn't, you know, having a good mindset and being resilient and and being open to feedback, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have those thoughts. It doesn't yeah. mean you're going to be happy all the time. It's not toxic yeah. positivity. There is a, there's some work and it's being able to say, okay, here's what I'm feeling. Yes. Why am I feeling it? Okay, let's try and bounce back and see this as a cup half full rather than half empty situation. Absolutely. You nailed it. It's not about toxic positivity. It's looking at things in a very real way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's something that sometimes gets missed. Yes. Um, and that can hold you back. And something else that you had said earlier on is like, there's this realm of discomfort. So when we're in growth or we're taking the next step, usually, you know, it could be in our life or it could be in our business, it's going to feel uncomfortable. Yes. And it's in that leaning into that discomfort where you're going to to grow and stop feeling stagnant. Oftentimes you can feel like you're stuck in a rut and everything is kind of monotone. Then you really need to look at your life and say, okay, why is everything feeling monotone? Where am I holding myself? Where am I not doing the things that I want to do? Because it's feel a fear of failure or, um, you know, I have these negative beliefs about taking that next step and just pushing yourself a little bit more into that discomfort all of the time to continue to create because it doesn't matter what you yeah. do when yeah. you do it there's always going to be more there's always going to be next exactly. um, so enjoying that rolling ball instead yeah. of being stagnant I love that rolling ball that's a really nice visual <laughs> yeah uh, yeah well thank you so much for taking the time to join me today on the happy lawyer oh. podcast This was so wonderful. And I just want to give you huge kudos for bringing this type of energy into your profession. I know it can be a very stressful one. So big kudos to you, Catherine. And thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And you're very welcome. Just as we wrap up today's show, I wanted to let you know about some upcoming events that are happening through the Lawyer Fulfillment Project, which is something that Jen Germain and I have created to help educate and inspire lawyers everywhere. The next event is coming up on May 4th and it's all about cultivating your leadership mindset. And then on June 2nd at noon we will be hosting the event called Transmuting Conflict which will all about how to deal with conflict in your practice both within your firm, with partners, colleagues, and opposing counsel but most importantly your own clients. I look forward to seeing you all there. So that's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please rate and review the show to help others find this resource. 
If you have any questions about your legal career, please head over to thehappylawyer.ca and send me an email through the contact page, or you can send me a message on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to set up a virtual coffee date. You can also head over to the Happy Lawyer Facebook group to interact with your peers and get extra content on how to be a happy lawyer. See you next time.